This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Everybody and welcome to another edition of Casual Friday. I am your host for the evening, or I guess the morning for those of you listening when this goes live. Uh, GMAC making my triumphant return after I wiped the floor with these bozos when discussing the great career of Carmelo Anthony, the unimpeachable career of Carmelo Anthony. As Mensa applauds because he was on my side and he knows that you can't see anything bad about Carmelo Anthony. Case closed and we're not going to reopen that bottle today. So I actually don't say anything. Uh, Joining me, as I just teased who's here today, and I guess who's not here because I'm filling in for him, uh, we will start with my uh, partner in Mets misery, uh, the one and only Mensa. So, Mensa, yesterday, there was like a big cloud over New York. (laughs) Yes. Um, Was that like actually the Mets season going up in flames? Or and it was just like traveling from Atlanta, or do you buy this Canada story? Um, I think it was the Mets season going up in flames. I can't lie as, to you. Um, as I felt like, you know, honestly, like just being a Mets fan, like over the past couple of years, I'm like, we get the bats, we'll ha- we have the pitching, and it's like we kind of got the bats, but I don't know what happened to the pitching. So it's been a little um, disappointing, especially as you're hearing this. Um, hopefully, the the Mets would have. Uh, broken their five game losing streak um let's see if uh what's my guy's name verlander who i'm not too big on anymore um let's see if verlander you know has a good game against the braves who knows but um it's funny because i work in midtown and at one point during the day i think like around 12 31 o'clock like everything was like yellow outside and i (laughs) Everybody was like, we're in a filter. And it, that's how it felt. Like you're in like an Instagram filter. It was so weird. Um, luckily for me, uh, I don't normally drive in on the weekdays, but it was, I woke up a little late, so I drove to work. I'm happy I drove to work and didn't have to take the train because I didn't want to really be exposed to any of that element out there. I just went straight to the parking lot, got my car. I was indoors most of yesterday. So for every New Yorker that had to go outside and smoke six cigarettes, I'm very sorry for you. Hopefully um, we do something about this going forward because it happens on the West Coast a lot. And I don't want to make this a political podcast, but obviously smoke being in the air for no like good reason isn't a good thing so yeah i hopefully uh the people in charge can do something about that yes so the people in charge steve cohen please fix this so that way um, new york does not have to deal with this anymore i also co-sign mensa's uh stance that he just took while recognizing that um i was inside most of yesterday in fact i was supposed to take a long up take the long island railroad um, it was like an hour train to to go from like Queens to someplace in Long Island. I took the Uber to the train station and then took an Uber back to my apartment because like, no, this is 
This is not happening. I'm not standing at Woodside for half an hour while whatever Blade Runner 2049 is happening outside. Uh, did that cover the vibes, by the way, Mensa? I just realized I threw off the Emperor's groove by not asking you the question at the beginning of the show. How are the vibes? I mean, the vibes are smoky. Met season up in smoke, New York in smoke. Uh, I think that's a great answer right there. It's just been kind of smoky for me. There you go. Well, let's go further south where there are other problems. Um, XJ, how are the vibes? You know, the vibes, the vibes could be better. Uh, you know, obviously I'm still recovering from the beating I took in the Carmelo conversation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that. Uh, but I am smelling the clean Florida air, as you alluded to, GMAC. Um, the f- air is so clean. In fact, I think I might smoke on a heat pack very soon to just to get some, get some of that tar in my lungs that you all are experiencing up in New York as unfortunate as it is. Um, no, I, the vibes are good. I'm being uplifted by the misery of the heat and their fans. Um, you know, like, and there's also this aspect of it where you get this feeling. I don't know if either of you have ever experienced this. Actually, I know Mensa has, you know, where you consistently say someone is the best player in the world. For a really long time and then he demonstrates that that is true to the extent where it's like undeniable you know that feeling i'm not sure if you've had that feeling andrew but i, I know mensa has and i have and it's a really nice feeling so those kind those aspects have my vibes very much uplifted um counteracting the pain that i've experienced from from the mellow debacle as one might call it but uh yeah that's where i'm at things are pretty good down here so hold on because <laughs> last year I felt that sensation, at least during the regular season. Um, two years ago, when I was like Giannis, 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 I felt that validation. And you deserve your victory lap. So does Mensa, especially if you, I mean, I don't even think Yoga needs to close this out in order to maintain to the status of best in the world because it's done right now. Yeah. God damn, what a playoff so he's had for I mean we're on round four and he's having 30 point triple doubles like this is <laughs> this is actually insane um 30 point 20 rebound triple doubles 30 like, 20 are, 10 triple doubles he's Wilt and Oscar like I'm out of I'm out of comps at this point all the 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 great players that you go to you're like he's got a, a level of it just not the Steph shooting and if he adds that just simulate the league like 2k and we'll be good um, but the Knicks do not have Nikola Jokic. The Knicks do have uh, some history with the Heat as far as this playoffs is concerned. In fact, the Knicks were eliminated by this Miami Heat team. And it led to um, a cap or no cap. Or honestly, it's led to a couple weeks of uh, Knicks Twitter, Knicks fans, Knicks nation uh, trying to figure out how they take the next step. And it then led to a masterful cap or no cap by Jeremy Cohen, which spanned five parts in two weeks because it was longer than the Irishman. And uh, it was able to cover both what the Knicks like, what the Knicks don't like their patterns in which the, the patterns in which they've followed in how they've evaluated talent. And it's, showed the archetypes um, archetypes of what players they go after. Um, it all coincided or I guess culminated um, in the idea that trading for Zach Levine is a path that Jeremy thinks the Knicks could go. Um, the player that would most likely go out in that trade would be RJ Barrett. Um, if you haven't seen the cap or no cap, by the way, I'm not going to tell you pause this and go watch it, but pause this and go watch it. It's, it's like 
the last, especially the last part, which is really well done and will will really be what we're reacting to today. Um, and while Jeremy presents that side of things, and he wants, I, I'm sure I'm speaking for his behalf here. He's not saying the Knicks should do this. He is doing um, the the HR thing or the the recruiting thing of I just am identifying what my client wants and this is most likely the direction they might go. So the smoke you might have for him in that sense of like, oh, Jeremy wants the Knicks to trade RJ for Zach Veen isn't fully there. Having said that, I do know that there are two sides of this conversation. The yes, you should trade for Levine and no, you shouldn't trade RJ after the playoffs he just had. And they just so happen to be represented by the two gentlemen that are on the podcast with me today. So I want to, I was joking with you guys before we're going to do the Bel Air Academy offense today, where I'm just going to pass it to XJ and then pass it to Mensa. And I'll start with you, XJ, your thoughts on not, not fully Jeremy's cap or no cap. If you want to fully react to it, you can, but just the notion of trading for Zach Levine being the move that the Knicks make this summer. Yeah, I, I, this is such a good conversation. I, I think First of all, I want to say Jeremy's uh, cap or no cap was masterful. As you alluded to, as we all know, those of us who have seen it, if you haven't seen it, go watch it, go listen to it, go experience it. Um, I do come down on the side. And like you just um, set up, Andrew, Jeremy's coming at it from the perspective of, here's what my client, the Knicks, probably want. Here's what they look for. Um, This is a good match for them based on what they say their wants and needs are. I come from it uh, at the perspective of I want Zach Levine, me personally. (laughs) If I'm building a basketball team, if I'm running the Knicks, I would want Zach Levine. I think the contract is an issue only because of the new constraints from the new CBA. Um, And I think that that's the biggest pushback. I'm not worried about the knee. I, I know a lot of people are worried about the knee. We've seen as Jeremy talked about, we've seen that Levine has been tremendously durable. Um, in fact, in just to recap, I'm not sure exactly, I don't remember exactly what Jeremy covered, but um, you know, Levine played 77 games this past season, almost 2,800 minutes, was third in the entire NBA in minutes. That's the most games and most minutes he's played in his entire career. Um, I think that's a good sign. I think that indicates he was able to play without suffering setbacks, without you know soreness and swelling, um, which I think is a really, really good sign for moving forward in his career. Um, so I'm not really worried about the durability aspect. The contract aspect is a question. Um, so that is what it really comes down to. And for me, the other aspect that it comes down to, I'm going to talk about the contract in a second, but the other aspect that it comes down to is how good do we think RJ Barrett will become? Um, and that's the, really the other aspect of the question. So on the contract, he's going to make, you know, he's going to average $43 million over the length of the contract. He's going to be making around $46 million in his age 30 season in 2025, 26. Um, and that's the year before he has a player option at nearly $50 million. So that sounds, that all sounds, I think, alarming. Um, in this context, like a guy making 46 million and then potentially 50 if he opts in. Um, 
that really sounds alarming in this day and age, but in the di- this dynamic where he's one of the highest paid players in the league, it won't hold and will erode over the next few years. So by the time he, um, you know, we hit the 2025-2026 season, the list of guys who are going to be making more than Levine or in line to make more than Levine include guys like Gobert, James Harden, Siakam, Kyrie, uh, maybe Drew Holiday, depending on what contract he gets. Bam. Carl um, Anthony Towns obviously will be making more. Uh, Porzingis, Jamal Murray. Julius Randle is absolutely a candidate to make more, depending on how he performs over the next few seasons. Um, Jalen Brown will almost certainly be making more. Guys like Sabonis. Uh Although it looks like right now, Levine is like such a enormously paid player relative to the rest of the league. That's going to change as the, the cap continues to go up and guys get extensions and get new contracts. So I don't think I think he's going to be appropriately paid when it comes to that time. As long as he doesn't get hurt. Obviously, this is the, this is the, you know, the elephant in the room for some people. As long as he's not injured, as long as he's healthy. I think he's going to be appropriately paid at that time when his contract is coming up, when he's going into a player option. He could, I won't say he will be, he could be underpaid, but he could be performing slightly above that contract level relative to other guys who are paid similarly, like Jalen Brown, who those many know, I think is the most overrated player in the, in the NBA. And I don't think he's as good as Zach Levine is. Um, so there's that, the contract portion. Um, and I, the other aspect is I do think that will be a tradable contract. I know people don't think it will be. That's fair. I think that's totally fine. I think it will be a tradable contract because he will be good enough to warrant that amount relative to other players in the league who are making around those those amounts. So that's one thing. Then the other thing. I'm going to go through just a couple of uh, data points. Obviously, Jeremy went through it a lot more extensive uh, data points comparing aspects of Levine and RJ's game. But I'm just going to go through for context in terms of what I think the trajectory is for these two players. So um, the last three years, Levine's true shooting was 61%, 61%, 63%. That's in elite territory. Um, You know, highly, highly efficient offensive player. Um, Obviously, RJ, less so 53, 51, 54%. Again, early in his career um, and has a lot of upward trajectory. And as we'll talk about, I'm sure Mensa will bring up, he doesn't need to be as good as Levine. He just needs to be on a better value contract than Levine. Um, but that's, you know, that's one comparison, the efficiency. I don't think RJ will ever approximate or come close to the efficiency that Levine is at and could achieve if on a better team. Uh, then in ISOs, we know the Knicks like to run ISOs. I don't love the isolation offense. I don't see it changing very soon. It, I think it'll change slightly. I don't think it's going to change dramatically. Um, Levine had 221 ISO possessions this year, scored 1.09 points per possession on those, um, which is about the same efficiency as our our leader, Jalen Brunson, and much more efficient than Randall. Um, RJ had 98 such possessions and scored uh, 0.97 points per uh, possession. And in the playoffs, he actually had only 11 and scored 0.46 points per possession. So just to be clear that his playoff performance wasn't an improvement in this area. Um, Obviously, spot-ups. Levine had 297 spot-up possessions, scored 1.22 points per possession on those spot-up possessions, which is absurd. Um, And then RJ scored 0.91 on his possessions there. 
and then in the playoffs, he was a little bit better, 1.03 per uh, possession there on 70 possessions in the playoffs, but obviously nowhere near Levine. And I don't think he will ever get near Levine. Levine is like one of the best players in the entire NBA in that category, which is something that we are going to need if we're talking about Jalen Brunson, ISOs, potentially Julius Randle, ISOs, kicking out to guys who are spotting up. Um, I talked about the durability part. And I think just to me, it comes down to this fact. Do I think that RJ Barrett will be on a better value contract relative to Levine when it comes to time to potentially trade one of the two players? I don't think RJ is going to get to the level to where he's outplaying his contract versus Levine being playing up to his contract. That's what I believe. And that's why I think it's a better deal for the Knicks because I'm just thinking long-term, who is a better, more valuable trade piece when it comes down to it? I think it will be Levine. I think the offense will be better. I think Levine will actually be better with Jalen Brunson with a system that really facilitates isolations, which he's amazing at, and spot-ups, which he is godlike at. Um, so those are the spaces that, I, that I'm really considering. And, and that's why I think Levine is a, is a good fit and would work really well. All righty. Metza, turn it over to you. Um, I wonder... I wonder how you feel about potentially trading RJ. <laughs> um, okay, so let's start with um, the the truths here. First truth is RJ Barrett will likely never be as good an offensive basketball player as one Zach Levine is currently. Another truth is Zach Levine since 2019 has played at least 2,034 minutes, and that was in 2021. That was the least amount of minutes he's played. Then he, he played... Um, 2085 the year before 2022 he played 2328 and in 2023 he played 2768 minutes the guy plays minutes that is very valuable so the um I know the argument is that Zach Levine is not as durable as R.J. Barrett. There are very few basketball players in the NBA as durable as R.J. Barrett. That's not necessarily a slight on Levine as much as it is a credit to R.J. Barrett for consistently being available unless Luka Doncic decides to scratch his finger and like break a finger, which is really weird. Um, so yeah, Zach Levine, good at offense. Zach Levine, available to play basketball. Zach Levine, makes sense for what the New York Knicks want to do as far as um, the spot-up shooting, the isolation scoring, Zach Levine is excellent at it, 100,000%. He is a better fit for what Tom Thibodeau wants to do today. Here's where I stand. I Oh, and another thing that Jeremy brought up on Cream, I was listening to it on my way home. Uh, I was listening to the rewatch, and if you guys should, it's actually very informative. The thing about the second tax apron is apparently you cannot cobble together salaries in order to make a trade. So you do need a salary slot the size of Zach Levine's salary slot in order to make that eventual star trade. Because if you are over that second tax apron and Jeremy will correct us if we're wrong, I'm sure he'll tweet about it if I'm wrong about but. You can't just put together like Obi Toppin and Evan Fournier and Emmanuel Quickly's second contract to get Devin Booker. I don't, if you're over the second tax segment, that is from, that is what I understood. I'm not sure if that's accurate. If that is the case, then it will become very necessary to have a salary the size of Zach Levine if the end game is not Zach Levine. And even if it is Zach Levine, you, a player his a player as good as him is going to cost 
as much as he costs. So the New York Knicks will eventually need, whether they keep Zach Levine or they move him or they move him, a salary that size. But where I stand on it is Zach Levine as a trade for RJ Barrett. To me, the risk is is too large. First thing I want to point to is November 19th, 2022, when Zach Levine got benched late in the game and was very disappointed with Billy Donovan. If you do not think that the New York Knicks at some point next season will be closing with Jalen Brunson, Quentin Grimes, Josh Hart, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, or Isaiah Hartenstein, you are sadly mistaken. There is a very, very high chance that Zach Levine will not be closing some games. We have already seen that he is not happy when he is not on the court to close games. This New York Knicks team has done a great job of adding contracts and adding players who fit the, um, the personality type, I would say. You need that when you are building culture. You need that when you are building a winning organization. So maybe the New York Knicks, you can argue, have built a culture that can add another um, potential. And I'm not going to say Zach Levine is a malcontent. I want to be very clear. He He can potentially be a malcontent in games where it's high pressure, high leverage, you're playing Boston, and he's on the bench because Tom Thibodeau doesn't trust him to get a stop over Quentin Grimes or um, or Josh Hart, who are 90th percent, who are 90 plus percentile defenders in terms of EPM. Zach Levine ain't that. And especially with Julie, um, with Jalen Brunson, a lot of it with where his star is going, the New York Knicks, if they want to win games, are going to have to insulate Jalen Brunson on the defensive end because one thing we like to brush over, he was seventh percentile defensive EPM this year. And I will let that stat stay where it is. I do not want to disparage Jalen Brunson. So that's the first thing. There are there will be games with the way this roster is currently constructed that Zach Levine will not be closing. That is just my personal hypothesis. I don't think it's I don't think it's arguable. The New York Knicks are going to need defenders. Their best wing defenders right now are Quentin Grimes and Josh Hart. Second thing I would say, if we look at, and I'm going by basketball references, play by play. Zach Levine, on average, has played 31% of his minutes at small forward. The most he's played at small forward would be for the 2021-2022 Chicago Bulls. He played 48% of his minutes at... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I have him wrong. Um, this, he's played 70... I'm sorry, 70% of his minutes at small forward for the Chicago Bulls in 2020. He was 24 years old that year. And if I quickly sort and check for his... Yes, let's look at that there. Yes. So, Zach Levine has played a good amount of minutes at, well, that one year. He played 73% of his minutes at um, small forward. But on average, he has played 31%. If you're talking about moving Zach Levine, a 6'5", 200-pound shooting guard, to small forward long-term, you do have to take into account the stress that, that could put on his knees guarding heavier defenders. And he's already agnostic at best on defense. I know um, the percent out as far as his EPM, I think he this season was 67%, which is good. Not bad. It doesn't kill you to have a 67 percentile defender. But that to me, a lot of that is based on his ability to play. He played 25% of his minutes at point guard. He played 43% of his minutes at shooting guard. So the fit isn't perfect. You're not talking about a guy who has, has historically played 
small forward in the way that R.J. Barrett has, who I had, don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure has played more than 75% of his minutes at small forward. I mean, in my opinion, size does matter. I don't know how perfect, you know, R.J. Barrett's not much bigger than Zach Levine, but I do find even though he was, this wasn't his best season defensively, I do buy the defensive potential going forward. I think we saw a lot of that in the playoffs and it kind of confirms what we know R.J. Barrett can do going forward. So I don't like the fit with Zach Levine at small forward too much. Um, And then finally, for me, it's just... I don't believe that you can get away with Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, and Zach Levine as a defensive trio. I know RJ Barrett, Jalen Brunson, and Julius Randle were not great going were not great this year. They were pretty bad as a trio defensively, but I buy that RJ Barrett going forward will be a better defender than um, then Zach Levine will be going forward, who, in my opinion, will be out of position, getting older. And I don't buy that. I mean, look, will he stay healthy? It's possible he can stay healthy. Yes. But you are looking at a player who is not perfect. <laughs> you guys are crazy. Oh, they're, they're, um, I'm laughing because in the group chat uh, on the, the, the StreamYard page, they're typing in all caps and it's just funny. But not to get sidetracked. I didn't even realize I was typing with all caps. Apologies for <laughs> not to get sidetracked. Um, the reason why I don't like it is because I think Zach Levine is an imperfect fit, and I don't believe that the New York Knicks need to make the trade right now. I think RJ Barrett. I think his um value is appreciating. I don't think Zach Levine's value. If anything, I think Zach Levine's value is stagnant and can be um, depreciating soon, depending. It just takes one injury, but that's the same thing for every basketball player. So I'm not going to hold that against Zach Levine, even though he does have a major knee surgery on his resume. But I don't really like it because I don't like the fit between Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle and Zach Levine defensively. I think that there is no room to improve defensively with that. I do think there's room to improve with Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle and RJ Barrett defensively, because I do buy into the potential defensively of RJ Barrett. So it's not my favorite. It's not my cup of tea. Would I cry to myself if it happened? Absolutely. I would not cry on Twitter though. And the where I, again, where I stand is I understand it completely. I understand it logically, but for me, and this is where I'll end it is if you make the trade for Zach Levine to come to New York, one, Jalen Brunson and Zach Levine would be a lot of fun to watch. Number two, I think Julius Randle, I don't think he can be here past the trade deadline. I just think that it'll just be too much. And we need to get a better defender on the roster with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Because then you, um, Jalen Brunson and Zach Levine, because you're going to need to insulate those two. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212 212- 
866-610-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about Factor. During the spring season, you need wholesome, convenient meals to energize you for warmer, more active days and keep you on track for reaching your goals. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list. Too busy to cook this May? With Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up the warmer weather. Going off script for this next part because I personally can't say enough how clutch Factor has been over the last two weeks. I'm talking Jalen Brunson clutch. I'm talking Allen Houston with four seconds against the Miami Heat in 1999 clutch. Whether it's a huge playoff game followed by a late night post game, I barely have time to prep and cook anything. So, Every time a post game has ended, I grab a factor meal from the fridge, put it right in the microwave, and in two minutes, I've got my dinner ready to go. The future Mrs. Claudio loves factor as well. With her busy schedule with meetings and writing reports all day, being just two minutes away from a healthy, well-cooked, pre-prepared meal is so convenient. This May, get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and use code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Again, that's code filmschool50 at factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Yeah, I I think that was extremely well put. And and to be honest, like I'm going to talk about a couple of your points, but like I just want to clarify that while I would be in favor of this deal, of this kind of deal, the kind of deal that that Jeremy kind of laid out, um, you know, RJ uh, salary filler and some draft compensation. Um, I think that I'm like 55, 45 on it. So like, if the Knicks don't do it and they stand pat, it's like. I think that's totally fine. I don't think it's like a slam dunk. We need to do this deal. Um, we need to get Levine in here. This is like obviously what we should do. I think there are arguments on both sides of it. And Mensa, you just made a ton of them. Um, I'm not like I'm not gung ho about this about this deal. I think it is the right thing to do though, um, just because of how good Levine is offensively. I think that it's just really easy to kind of blow over how good he is. Uh, as an offensive player, like that level of offensive skill does not come around very often. We see guys who can score on the ball. We see guys who can score off the ball. We don't see guys who can do both at an elite level consistently and efficiently. That is just extremely rare. And like, I'm willing to take the warts because of for the opportunity to have a guy like that. Um, and then just to a couple of your points, Mensa, like, I think it's such a great point, the size issue and you brought that up in our um our group chat on on Twitter once and and I had never considered that. I was like, yeah, you know, Levine and RJ pretty similar d- defensive players. I don't think RJ is going to become a spectacular defender. I think they'll be around the same. But RJ is a lot more sturdy and solid and Levine it, that is that does drain you a lot more and can play a difference in terms of how his knees um, respond uh, from the defensive end. If he's playing against guys who are bigger and stronger constantly, I think that's a tremendous point. And um, I think even pushes me back from being like, 
I, to me, that's like the biggest point that makes me reconsider the deal more than the contract, more than his injury history, uh, more than anything is that fact. Um, I will say so. Um, and then uh, as far as the closing thing, like how often does Julius Randle not close games? Like, Zach Levine's going to close the game. <laughs> like I, it's like whether it's right or not, whether Tibbs loves it or not, like Zach Levine's going to close the games. Like you're not going to have, you're not going to be like, Hey, let me take hey $45 million. Go sit over there for like, it's just not going to happen. He's going to close the games. He's going to be in there. Julius doesn't sit at the end. Levine's not sitting at the end. I, I, I don't believe. Um, and to me, I think it is the fact that we will have to accept and know that this is an incomplete team when if and when we got Levine and we ha- we have to accept the fact that that means that um yes Randall also has to get traded at some point there has to be an upgrade at the four we need a better defensive four um I love the Brunson and Levine fit Brunson Levine and Randall does not fit long term um Randall will have to go and I think unfortunately it's going to be IQ or Grimes to go with Randall to make the upgrade at the four at some point or you know one of those guys with Levine to just do a, a further upgrade above Levine. It's going to be something like that. It'll be like stage two of a three-stage process to get to a championship contention. I don't think there'll be championship contenders with Levine, but that level of offensive talent, I think, is so rare that I don't think you can just like pass up on it because you're worried about a the contract, b the RJ Barrett's potential, um, and c yeah, I guess his injury history. I, I don't think those are enough to dissuade me from 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 making that deal. So just really quickly, who do you think would be the starting the the closing five? Because you know that I, I personally I think it's Josh Hart. I think Josh Hart is absolutely gonna start. Um is actually gonna close, I mean. Um uh, flip a coin, whoever has it between Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein that night. And it kind of has been a coin flip as far as um they've been on the court together. I mean, they've been New York Knicks together. Julius Randle closing. There's just no getting around that. And of course, Jalen Brunson. So we're looking at Quentin Grimes versus Zach Levine. For me personally, I think that's where it is. It's one of those two is going to start. Now imagine... Well, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to feed you anything, but I think that it, I think I do think that it is um up to debate. I think it's Brunson, Levine, Randall, and Mitch or Hartenstein, and then one of Grimes and Hart. Like I just think it's I think one of those guys is gonna bat. To me, Grimes is So you think the that's the coin out. flip? So you think that's the coin flip? Uh Grimes or Hart? Yeah. I think so. Okay. Uh G Mac, really quickly, how do you do you think because I, I see your face is a little like perplexed? Who do you think is the I closing just, five? Just not a mention of Emmanuel quickly, who was a six I know, year runner I know. Up last year. Yeah. So is that part of the calculation that in any Zach Levine trade quickly is not here or is quickly who part of the magic formula of how they closed a ton of games last year was Emmanuel quickly and the leap he took defensively um, as well as offensively was their, their closing wing, whether he was the two, whether he was the three, whether he was a one, a, a. Um, part of the magic formula that worked last year was them Closing with Emmanuel quickly a lot. That game four against the Cavs, while like the the big standout was that um, Julius didn't close the game. My other bigger standout was that quickly did, and it it was like it worked again. Like you got to see it work again quickly closing in crunch time, or at least playing in crunch time uh, down the stretch. So I don't know. I 
I think that honestly would be my biggest pushback that it would be heart or IQ. Like it's actually a, a, a three-sided coin if you want to throw IQ into the mix. Cause I personally like to see what another year of Emmanuel quickly would look like. And that right there um, is where I stand personally. I would like to see 24-year-old Emmanuel Quickly, 23-year-old Quentin Grimes, and 23-year-old R.J. Barrett before we decide to trade for a Zach Levine type. Personally, um, and then and then that right there again is kind of the the jump up because there are only so many minutes you can there are only so many rotations you can have you know at guard uh, I'm sorry so many machinations of it in the start in the closing five where you have Jalen Brunson worthy you have Emmanuel Quickly who's worthy you have Josh Hart who is worthy and Tom Thibodeau loves with all of his heart um, you have Quentin Grimes you and then there's Zach Levine so that's five guys at what, two or three positions? So you're talking about two odd men out down the stretch. Two of these guys are young. One of them has a very loud agent. I will let you decide who that one is. Um, and then you have, so it's basically the point I'm trying to make is that adding Zach Levine to this, well, even if RJ is here, they're, 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 that's not going away. But, but at least with R, but at least with RJ Barrett. Say, yeah. But Go at ahead, least with R.J. Barrett, you know that he is at least he's a company man. He's not going to go into the media and he's not going to give you a quote like um, Zach Levine gave you about Billy Donovan. You know, like I think this organization really does value people who won't rock the boat. And you are adding I feel like you're adding a volatile element to this. And again, it's not again. This is if you're worried for trading Zach Levine is you have too many good basketball players, then it's not actually a worry. It's a good thing. It's a good problem to have. And I do think that the Knicks won't, I guess, trading. I, okay. Here, I guess now that I'm talking through it to me in the immediate future for the 2023, 2024 season, I personally believe that keeping RJ Barrett or trading him for Zach Levine is a win-win because you either upgrade or you bet on the talent. And if the talent doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I think we've seen enough from RJ Barrett to believe that he's turned a corner. I think the way he played in the postseason wasn't similar to what he was doing in the regular season. It looked to me like he flipped the switch. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'll leave it there. I think that personally, the Zach Levine element of wanting to play in the closing, I think, I don't think that's guaranteed. And I do think that that is a, a place where we could see some friction and I don't, and we saw what that did with Kemba Walker in the lost season. So I think it's a fair point. And I, I want to acknowledge that I did when I said Grimes and Hart, I did leave out IQ and that was uh, unintentional. I actually think IQ would probably close over both of those guys in most cases, unless the opponents have like bigger wing players, um, in which case uh, clearly Grimes or Hart would probably close over IQ. Um, so I think that that's the way it would go. IQ in, in most cases, bigger wings, Grimes or Hart. Um, but I, I just want to say like, Levine or RJ, like like you alluded to, Mensa, you still have this problem where two guys are not closing. Uh, and I don't think RJ would be happy if he's just like never like because I, you know, if it's me, I would probably lean towards always having IQ and either Grimes or Hart. And so I think Tibbs kind of would too. Uh, so I don't think RJ is going to be happy, like never closing games. I, I I don't know if he'll go to the media with it, but like we've seen him pout before. Like I, I don't know that he's just going to be like, 
you know, and Evan Fournier just like being straight professional, like no complaints. He's, he's, he's a young player, you know, it's like, it's not like he's a, a veteran who's just like kind of getting paid and, and, and filling a role, you know, he's going to want to like excel. And I think he needs to be out there in the end. So I don't think it really resolves the issue if we have RJ or we have Levine. I mean, the only thing that it does is it clarifies that <laughs> Levine's going to be on the court Whereas I don't think that's true. If, if we have RJ, um, that's the only thing I wanted to say. So the only pushback I have to the idea that RJ would potentially be a malcontent. And I think this is just, this is how the season went. So we were able to kind of get away with it. I think he'll be fine with it. If the Knicks are winning, because like uh, RJ was getting benched when they were winning nine in a row. Like, and it wasn't even benched. He was just playing. He wasn't playing 40 minutes anymore. He was playing 20 to 22 because his play dictated that. And they had other options, you know, but we saw him close a couple games here and there games when he had it, had it working. Um, you mentioned XJ, the games where the Knicks need more size, all the Miami games that we saw, it was like RJ's playing over Emmanuel quickly, which is why the thought was like, does this need to be a Josh Hart game? Now, this is where you get into almost a look. I, I I think they're in a good spot. The Knicks, where I'm fine if they do either way. Like if they just run it back, and I get to see these kids grow one more time, and the team that I'm also fine with that. To be clear, I'm also fine with that. If they're on a 56 win pace again, like or just run it back with that roster, and it's just like. A, a somewhat of an upgrade at the backup four, then fine. Um, if they consolidate a bit and they go out and get uh, a Zach Levine, I think that's going to win a lot of regular season games. And in a league that just continues to show so much parity, maybe I do want Jalen Brunson to play with a more dependable backup or, or Robin, I should say, than Julius Randle when it comes to playoff time. Now, Zach Levine doesn't have a lot of playoff success that I can point to and say, you can go to him. Um, neither do most of the options. Like I know John wrote in the newsletter the other day about Bradley Beal. Um, I just looked no further than Bradley Beal against the Celtics when uh, the, the other Isaiah Thomas was on the court. And that, that series was for the taking for the wizards. If Bradley Beal was better. Um, but point being, uh, I think the Knicks are in a good spot either way, where both of the cases you got just laid out, are compelling are like, uh, yeah, XJ I'd, I'd be all in on a Zach Levine trade. If they got, it. I'd talk myself into it right away. Mensa. I'd love to run it back. And the rotation that we had, like, okay, you extend IQ, you re-sign Josh Hart. And like, let's let, let, let's, it was working like from December 4th on, this was a very fun season and I'd be okay. Seeing if that formula could be duplicated again. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Jalen Brunson's incredible first season in New York was more than meets the eye. Is it that Brunson became the first point guard in Knicks history to average at least 24 points a game? Is it that he became just the second player in NBA history to average at least 24 points, six assists, and under 2.5 turnovers? No and no. It's that he did both of those things all while playing on a below market contract that will become even more valuable under the new collective bargaining agreement. So yes, we should all be very thankful that the Mavericks had to find out the hard way that Jalen Brunson is more than meets the eye. 
Okay. We are now going to transition to another segment. Um, these next two are going to be a little shorter, but I'm going to, again, pass it to Mensa because after the Miami Heat lost last night, uh, it was brought up. Jimmy Butler has not been the same player since his game one injury against the New York Knicks, in which Josh Hart, I will say incidental contact. I'm not going to say intentional because I'm not accusing Josh Hart of that. I'm a biased Knicks fan. So maybe I'm, I'm viewing it through that prism, but I don't look at that play and think it was dirty. I'm sure a heat fan does, which is why Bam Adebayo has never done anything wrong in the eyes of a Miami heat fan. Um, But point being uh, the, the copium is strong amongst heat fans that, uh, Josh Hart ruined their finals run or is the reason why Jimmy Butler is not playing up to a certain level. Mensa, little birdie has told me you feel a certain type of way about this viewpoint. So I give the floor to you, sir. How do you feel about uh, this and that and all things in between? If everybody in Miami <laughs> could politely shut the hell up about Josh Hart potentially ruining their I'm sorry their 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 championship run um let's 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 dial it back a little bit and let's let's talk about reality the Miami Heat are an eighth seed <laughs> the fact that they are here in the first place is you should be dancing in the streets. Well, you might be dancing in the streets because you're damn sure not dancing in the stands because you guys are never there. But that's a whole nother story. Second thing is, do we realize how good Jimmy Butler has actually been? Um, what you're experiencing is not Josh Hart ruining your run. It is called regression to the mean. That is all that is. He was not always going to shoot flames out of his ass for an entire two-month period. That wasn't going to happen. I'm sorry, guys. It just wasn't. Third thing, who has benefited more than your eighth-seeded Miami Heat from injury luck than any other team in the entire playoffs? Mensa, this is the best point you're about to make. Go ahead. Um, If Giannis doesn't hurt his back in game one, you're probably not here. If Bam Adebayo doesn't dive at Emmanuel Quickly's knees right around the time that Tom Thibodeau gets his head out of his ass and decides, hey, maybe if I put Josh Hart on the bench and start Quentin Grimes, what does that do? Why am I getting to this point? Because Emmanuel Quickly, Josh Hart, and Isaiah Hartenstein were hell on earth for a lot of basketball teams. But the time that, that, that Emmanuel Quickly gets hurt, Josh Hart, we don't get to see that in the playoffs and we don't get to see that against the Miami Heat. Right as Emmanuel Quickly is also turning the corner because he was not playing he was getting better inch by inch. Third thing, what about Julius Randle? Yeah, um, say, getting hurt. Go to IQ. Go to Randle. <laughs> what about Julius getting hurt against your own Miami Heat in the regular season? If Julius Randle doesn't get hurt against your Miami Heat, then what? Then hey, maybe you have a Julius Randle who doesn't play poorly and doesn't give an effort. I don't want to talk about Julius Randle, but <laughs> but. The Miami Heat have benefited so much from injuries to great basketball players, basketball players who are all NBA in the regular season. This idea that Josh Hart hurting Julie, um, hurting intentionally or not. No, Josh Hart was hustling and playing good defense. Go watch that play all over. And if you want to talk about dirty basketball players, how about Kyle Lowry kung fu kicking RJ Barrett? 
Huh? Did you did you forget that? I didn't. How about um, Bam Adebayo literally obliterating everybody on dirty screens to the point where we have as New York Knicks fans the steal from Quentin Grimes because a human being is not supposed to get up from what Bam Adebayo did to him. The Miami Heat are a dirty basketball team. The Miami Heat are a well-coached basketball team. They are an eighth seed. And do they deserve to be in the finals? Yes, because they beat everybody. However, for you to decide that Josh Hart is the reason that Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are giving you 30-point triple-doubles on the same night is an unreal amount of copium. It is embarrassing. And as a fan of any sports organization, you should be ashamed of yourself. But Miami Heat fans are very shameless because it doesn't matter if the team is up 20 points, if the team is down 20 points, if the team is in a close game, they're not their first quarter, they're not their second quarter, they might be there for the third quarter, and they're beating traffic for the fourth quarter. The Miami Heat, guys, shut up. We don't want to hear from you because you are not worthy as a fan base of the success that you have had. That is a judgment that I have made that, and I have seen enough to know that you're crybabies, you don't support your team in the arena, and nobody likes you. So please, again, shut up for all of our sake and watch Nikola Jokic go to work against your bum-ass team. Any anything XJ? Like, do you have anything to add? To that? I, I do not have much to <laughs> to add to that. Sign for what? Yeah, yeah, I I have a cosign. It's like you know the the complaint from the Heat fans. It just feels like like well, why didn't we continue to get lucky? Like it's not fair. <laughs> we got so lucky before. Why did our luck run out? Like that's not cool. <laughs> I don't. How you know, dare it, they be healthy on the yeah, other team? It's like what's, what's so wrong with bizarre? Them? It's like you know the Knicks. We, I, the the only thing I obviously co-signed everything Mensa said. Uh, I could not say it better. The only thing I want to say is like just to emphasize the Knicks suffered major injuries to their second and third best players. <laughs> their second and third best players major injuries. Julius Randle had literally had ankle surgery, <laughs> like, like arthroscopic like, ankle surgery like, weeks after the playoffs. Like, and like, they're, they're like, oh, literally couldn't our, play. Our, our best player got hurt. Yeah. Like, okay. What? Um, and but what I what I just want to say is, you know how few Knicks fans are complaining about it? Like, there's no Knicks fans that are like, yo, if only uh, Randall would have been healthy and quickly would have. been. It's like nobody's saying that. I, I, I don't hear that very often. Like. Of course, you think about, hey, these are our second and third best players. We were favored to beat Miami. Brunson carried the whole world on his back and had literally no help. Like, maybe we could have got by them if we had those guys that were healthy. Definitely a possibility. The complaints that I hear from Knicks fans about that are so limited. Like, maybe just talking about it, like, yeah, that sucks. We're not out here like talking about before Jimmy's ankle injury, he was shooting a uh, 75% true shooting percentage. <laughs> like, and, and, and afterwards he, he, he came down to 60. It's like, okay, no one's shooting that true shooting like on, on 40 points a game, like ever. So that regression was going to happen. I do believe that something's wrong with Jimmy. I don't know if it's age and attrition. I don't know if it's the injury. I don't know if it's things going on in his personal life. I don't think he's playing to his level. So I will acknowledge that, but that it can be true for players across the board, whether it's injuries, whether it's personal things going on, all of those things are true. Luck is necessary. Health related luck is necessary and simply a part of what it takes to win a championship that we know 
so clearly from especially, I mean, ask the Warriors if that's necessary or not. Like, we know that that's true and it's just true for all of it. And there's nothing you can really do about it. It's, I don't even think if Jimmy Butler was 100% healthy, they would be winning this championship as an eighth seed. Like, it's just unlikely to be the case. So, co sign everything Mansa said. This would be like if in 99, when the Knicks got to the finals and we're playing this juggernaut team like the Spurs who got to the finals on like a 14 game winning streak, like lost the game in the first round, then swept the next two playoff rounds and then got to the finals and the Knicks were like, oh, we lost Patrick Ewing. And it's like, yeah, because that's the reason why the Spurs are up 2-0 in this series. Um, Yeah, I... Randall has two back-to-back games in that series against the Heat where he had 20-plus points on 13 shots. And hashtag trade 30 was trending the day that the series ended. Like, no consideration was given to his injury whatsoever, XJ. So I co-sign that point specifically. Even and after look, his surgery. Bro, when he got <laughs> injured, it's like no excuse. Oh, you're right. An arthroscopic ankle surgery didn't change anything. Um, like the Giannis injury, the Middleton injury. And look, this more goes to the point that like it's the playoffs. People get hurt. Like, the Heat have suffered injuries. Like I agree. I think I think both things can be true. I think the Heat are losing because the Nuggets are better. I also think something's wrong with Jimmy Butler. I do think he is suffering from an ankle injury that has caused the regression to be more more quick than it would have had he not gotten injured. Um, but like they lost Tyler Hero, arguably made him a better team. Lost Victor Oladipo, arguably made him a better team, and they were able to pivot like good sound basketball teams do. But like you go to the the Celtics series, Malcolm Brogdon got hurt in that series. Jalen Brown was dealing with a hand thing and it actually worked to their benefit that they just forced him left for the last, for, for most of that series. And then opening possession of game seven, after you have a heartbreaking, one of the more heartbreaking losses I've ever seen. Um, Jason Tatum sprains his ankle. Now he played, can't say it's the reason they lost, but like, the, the injury luck happens both ways, like like throughout the playoffs. And to point to that as any kind of copium is, I, it, I don't know, it's low. I also I wonder how much how much it's being being done. Um, I, I do co-sign Mensa's rant though. It was hilarious with four minutes left to see an empty Miami Heat uh, arena, which we we've been there. We've seen this before. We've seen this act before. Um, Wait, know, how are not, you? Not the everybody team, can be MSG. You know, how are you the team who witnessed a historic comeback in the finals where you were down and thought the game was over? People left and tried to come back in the arena and couldn't get back in. That literally happened to your team. And then you leave when it's not even like the, the, the deficit wasn't even that crazy. Like they Next literally day. cut it to single digits. Well, I, I don't, it's, it's absurd to me. Like it's your team that that happened to. You don't even have to go back to 2013. How about game six against Boston? That they were down 11 with four minutes left and then made a comeback. How about game Insane. four against the bucks when they were down by 16 in the fourth quarter and made a comeback. Like, Trash know, fan like, base. I would Trash. understand if it was a Friday. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't understand if it was a Friday night because, like New York, like the party is at MSG. I, but like at least I could explain it away. But listen, Friday night in Miami, like people got places to be. Fine. 
Um, this was a Wednesday night in Miami. Now, maybe people still got places to be, but the only pl- this is where the Knicks need to have one finals run because this this fan base just deserves that type of euphoria just once. And maybe it could have been this year. I actually think they took a lot of positive steps forward and maybe they will in the future. But to see to see that on the other night, it's, it's made me chuckle. I know XJ put up the screenshot and your your girlfriend who knows ball, apparently. Um, was able to her, her, to co-sign her, all of her that. first season watching basketball, and then we're just like watching the game, and and they show the you know you can see the arena, it's like empty out. All you see is it's white hot heat night, and then everybody's wearing white shirts, but then all you see are mm-hmm. red seats, and she's just like, why is everyone leaving? Like it's it's there's so much game left. Like, mm-hmm. and then she, I mean, I didn't say this in my tweet, but she brings up, she's like, didn't the Knicks lose when they were up by like nine points in like thirty? Thanks. Yes, that yes. did happen. It's the game is not over. She's like, well, what's wrong with like, why are they? Le-? I was like, yeah, because that's how Miami fans are. And she's like, well, sounds like a shitty fan base. It's like, yes, yes, it she is. Knows ball. <laughs> she knows ball. There you go. Not every billionaire has the stamina, the dedication or the fire to become the most unpopular owner in sports. But not everyone is James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks. This is Reign of Error, a new podcast series that gives you a courtside seat for the controversies, scandals, and drama that seems to follow the infamous billionaire. Track Dolan's rise from aspiring musician to the throne of one of the most beloved franchises in sports. Along the way, he'll battle his own players, fans, celebrities, the New York media, politicians, even the Girl Scouts. Reign of Error unpacks the outlandish story over five riveting episodes, detailing how Dolan became a lightning rod of criticism in his quest to outdo his billionaire father, while also asking the $6 billion question, why doesn't he just sell the team? Check out Reign of Error wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to Oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. Last question or last topic of the night. Um, we're going to, I don't know if this is going to be something recurring. I'm going to let the casuals kind of dictate that, but uh, Jamal Murray was 
another person that had a triple double in game three of the NBA finals last night. Um, Jalen Brunson, who was the topic of this week's uh, more than meets the eye segment. Check that out. I, well, you will have already have checked that out. So ignore that. I said to check that out. Thank you for checking that out. Uh, it's courtesy of our friends over at Oakley. Um, and a thing on Twitter, I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure who aggregated it, but it was one of those, like, please interact with this tweet polls where it was like one got to go from one of the, the NBA uh, university society dot com pages on Twitter. Basically, one of those NBA NBA central aggregation sites was like one got to go. And it was Trey Young. It was Jamal Murray. It was Jalen Brunson. It was De'Aaron Fox. I know YouTube like to maybe not necessarily partake in these Twitter nonsenses, but you like to evaluate players and find where the differences are between all of them. So I, I ask you XJ and then Mensa to put them in order. Those four, Jalen Brunson, J- Jamal Murray, De'Aaron Fox, and Trey Young. And I want you to take your Knicks goggles off. This is no longer Fox News. This is CNN. Be impartial with this. Okay. Um, what is your four? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, so I, I think it's super difficult. I want to say, I, and I actually really think it's a great question, despite the engagement baiting that is going on clearly. Um, so they're all around the same age between 24 and 26. They all bring different strengths. Honestly, they all bring similar weaknesses to the table as well. Uh, so I just did some quick looking at the numbers. Um, you know, uh, if you look at EPM for the regular season, um, Young was actually number one, then Fox, then Brunson, then Murray. On the offensive end, which is slightly more reliable um, when you're talking about the impact metrics, uh, the ranking would be Brunson number one, then Fox, then Young, then Murray. Um, Brunson and Fox were the two most efficient. Trey was the highest usage by far. Fox was second. Um, Brunson had the best turnover rate, which we know has a lot to do with how the Knicks play. Um, we're being unbiased here. So, and then we look at the playoffs. Fox was just pretty good in a seven game series versus Golden State, you know, um, inefficient, had a lot of turnovers, but scored at a really high clip. And there was a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, usage on, on his plate. And then obviously we know that Brunson, uh, essentially single handedly carried the Knicks while their second and third best players were both injured and or effective, especially in the Miami series. Um, he wasn't extremely efficient against Cleveland, but was, you know, playing a high level defense who keyed in on him and he still really got what he wanted. And then of course we looking at, we can look at Murray now um, having another ridiculous run in terms of his scoring and efficiency. He's arguably been better in this run than he was in the bubble. Like if you look at things on the whole. So um, to me, like the real answer is like, it depends on what you need. Like that's my like kind of caveat answer. I'm going to give like a more like firm answer, I guess later, but um it depends on what you need. So I think it goes like this. If you want like number one, a number one player, basically an offense in a box. I, I do. I know it sucks as Knicks fans to say this. I think Trey would be at the top and Murray would be the man out. Um, I do believe that Murray's numbers are a little bit influenced by playing with Jokic. I believe that everyone who plays with Jokic is going to play better. His gravity and just dominance as a passer just dictates that to be true. And, um, but you know, it is clear that Murray still does kill it when he's running with a second unit. So it's not like he's a product of Jokic or anything like that. Um, so then the other way that you could look at it is if we want someone to be flexible 
um, to be a number one at times, to be a number two at times. I think Brunson, Murray, and Fox would be at the top and Trey would be out. Uh, you know, we all know that Trey is very limited in what he can do off ball. And if he's playing off ball and then you get in the Trey Young defense, I would take all three of those other guys ahead of ahead of Trey in those circumstances. But I do want to clarify, like, you know, and Benji said it, and I kind of balked at the phrasing, but he said that Trey is a, a generational offensive player. And the truth is that he is. He's a he is a generational offensive player. Last year was his worst year offensively since he was 20 years old. Um, but he had, he was one of the dominant offensive players in the game from age 21 to age 23. Like that's insane to think about a 21 year old to 23 year old being the, the elite of elite offensive players in the league. Um, the second best passer in the game, in my opinion, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to like, not have him really highly. Um, obviously his issue is versatility because he can't play off ball. But at his peak, he is he is a better offensive player than any of the other guys, including Brunson at his peak. Um, and then on Fox, I just want to say really quick, people forget that before last year, Fox was not that great. Like he was inefficient. He shot really poorly from three. He um, shot poorly from the free throw line. He was a pretty high turnover guy. And this is the first year that he's actually been anywhere near this level. Like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like I, I remember discussions... Uh, potentially around trading the the horrible Julius Randle of of the the year prior with like a protected pick for Fox before they made this a bonus deal the um Halliburton's a bonus deal like that was a real thing that was discussed and like was like people weren't just like that's crazy um so this like godlike clutch time Fox that we've seen is a new phenomenon and I just like would like to see more of it before I like feel like he's in the up he's in at the top of this list. I, I wouldn't have him at the top. Um so if I just had to pick in a vacuum, my odd man out would be between Fox and Murray. And it's super tough. Like I and I know a lot of people would disagree with this, but I'd probably go Fox out because um just what we've seen Murray do in the playoffs on multiple occasions, like I, I don't value regular season as much as I do. If you have a guy who, you know, in, in the bubble season, it was 19 games this season. It's been 18 or 19 games has just elevated to just like a historic level in terms of playoff performance with regard to scoring, with regard to efficiency um, and an ability to play off, uh, you know, such a dominant player like Jokic, I think, he has a lot of versatility to, to play as a number one in spurts and to play as a number two primarily and perform in all of those situations. So I have, you know, Fox out. Um, I, I mean, I can definitely be swayed. He was a dominant clutch player in the regular season, but we just didn't see that carry over into the playoffs. And I just would need to see it from lo- for longer because he wasn't this guy, you know, a couple of years ago and before that. So that's where I'm at. It's a super tough, tough call though. Mensa, what are you for? Brunson is number one, no matter what lens you look at it. Um, so here's where I stand on it. Uh, Jalen Brunson, Trey Young, Jamal Murray, De'Aaron Fox. Are any of those guys good enough to be the best player on a championship? The answer to me is no. And if you think I'm crazy, this year, the best player on the championship winning Denver Nuggets is Nikola Jokic. I don't care if the series isn't over, the series is over. Last year, Steph Curry. Year before, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Year before, LeBron James or Anthony Davis. Pick your pick your poison. Year before, Kawhi Leonard. 
elite basketball players, like elite of the elite. Brunson, Young, Marie, De'Aaron Fox are not that guy. So when it comes to building a team, I now need to look at these guys as auxiliary players, right? I've seen Jalen Brunson play off of Luka Doncic. I've seen him play off of Julius Randle. I've seen him be a stud in both situations. And potentially, um, the guy's honestly never been a loser ever in his life. I think that's very important. Uh, Trey Young never shared a basketball before this season. How'd that go? Um, Jamal Murray, not really a playoff performer. Oh, not, 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 no, no, no. Not really a regular season performer. He is absolutely a playoff performer. <laughs> wow. Talk about Freudian slips. Um, yeah, De'Aaron Fox was almost traded on Twitter for Julius Randle last year in the um, odd year Julius Randle season, which was not... That doesn't say a lot for you. Um, I like Jalen Brunson over all of these guys because even though Trey Young is the best offensive basketball player I don't believe he will ever be the best player on a championship team. And I do not believe that you can insulate him to the level that you would need to insulate him in order to build a championship winner. Um, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray's great. I love Jamal Murray. I don't think he's better than Brunson. I think Brunson has shown last year against the, uh, I'm sorry, against the Utah Jazz. As the sixth seed, he took those boys to town without Luka Doncic on the court. I don't think that Jamal Murray, like we don't know if Jamal Murray's play is dependent on Luke. I'm sorry, on Jokic or not. We know that Jalen Brunson is a stud no matter who you put him against. I mean, put him with. You put him in a situation where he had all the spacing in the world in Dallas, he was a stud. You put him in this New York Knicks phone booth, he's a stud. It doesn't matter. I got to go with Jalen Brunson. I'm sorry. Um, he's the oldest player, which does matter. Don't get me wrong. He's the oldest of the, of the four. Um, but I just trust him more than everybody else. I don't care if the floor is, I'm sorry. I don't care if the ceiling is higher with, um, I don't care if the ceiling is higher with Trey young. I don't care if the athletic ceiling is higher with, um, Darren Fox. I don't care if the playoff ceiling is higher with Jamal Murray. I personally will take Jalen Brunson over all of those boys. And we're not even talking about the contractors yet, um, which he's on the best contract in basketball right now. Let's just call it what it is. Um, if I had to, I, I think I would rock with XJ. I think Darren Fox is the one that I would go against because Jalen Brunson came to the Knicks and changed the Jalen Brunson came to the Knicks and he changed the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The culture. The Kangs were the Kangs with De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> you know, he didn't stop them from Kangsin. Um, so yeah, uh, but also, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tuck Frey Young. I just have to say that anytime we talk about Mr. Um, Rayford Trey Young, and I would yes. have to call him Rayford because, you know, shout out to my guy, Sean with the W, who only refers to him as Rayford Young. So, um, GMAC, I'll leave it with you. I just want to, you're right. Jalen Brunson is on the best contract in basketball right now because the NBA draft hasn't happened yet. That's the only clear, clear, uh, clarification I wanted to make. We're a month away from Victor Wimbanyama Fair. And, Scoot, and Scoot Henderson being on rookie contracts. Being on rookie and then, <laughs> Good Lord. Because Simmons was doing the thing about, is Jokic now the number one um, trade value guy? Like, is he now number one? You're not trading him for anything. I still think I don't trade him for anything, even if Wimbanyama is available. But I, I would like to see... 
would like to see what this looks like. Victor Wembanyama on a rookie contract next season. I'm very curious. Uh, XJ, you had a follow up. I just wanted to clarify because uh, Mensa did establish that he would have Brunson as his number one. I don't think I was clear about it. I would also have Brunson as my number one of the four. I believe that I'm being unbiased, but Mensa made the point about like what we've seen as far as playoff performances. Um, we just we just know what we have with Brunson. We know he can be not the best player on the championship team, but the best offensive player on the championship team. I believe he 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 can be that guy, um, and can definitely fill in as you know a number one in lieu of a number one like going down, like Luca might uh, got injured and or or anything like that. So I just wanted to clarify. I had Brunson number one, and my list really would be like Brunson, Trey, um, Murray, and then Fox. Murray and Fox being very close to one another. Also, um, Jalen Brunson has the best net rating of these guys since they've been in the league. Jalen Brunson has an offensive rating of 119 and a defensive rating of 115 for a net rating of plus four. You're looking at Trey Young minus two net rating. You're looking at uh, Jamal Murray minus one and you're looking at De'Aaron Fox minus five. So there it is. Jalen Brunson's number one. So some of that, I don't know, actually correct me if I'm wrong on this. Some of that is teammate related, but I do overall agree that the numbers, the numbers between the four of them will probably lean Brunson in that the on off is concerned. I would, I'm not surprised in that sense. Um, I cosign Brunson is number one. Um, and I'm not saying I'm not biased. He's number one on this list and he's number one in my heart. So uh, I don't care about Rayford or uh, the Kang of Sacramento. Um, and who's the other one? The guy that's playing next to the best player in the world and we're going to win a title as a result. It's yeah. like, who is that guy? That guy that had a 30 point triple double. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like the, the, the Jamal Murray hype that's happening right now. He deserves it. Coming back from that injury. He's playing his ass off right now. He's been great. If the question is like, who else would be good next to Nikola Jokic? Guess what the answer is? Everybody. Like, you want to know what Julius Randle would look like next to Jokic right now? I'm, I'm, I, w- I want the thought experiment. I want the counterfactual uh, XJ. I want to see like every single player play next to Jokic for a season. Like, that's I would a, love that. I love like, that. <laughs> Simmons has talked about like, get late, let every NFL team have Belichick for a year and see what happens to the team. Now this was back in the day before like he had Matt Patricia running the offense. So maybe he's lost a step, but like that, that's the type of thing with Jokic. Where I just, I want to see him be the, the best, be on every team and like replace every team's best player. And just see, like, oh, does, did they also have the best offensive rating? Did they also, like, walk to the finals? Like, I, I think there's a thought experiment there. Or just a regular experiment there to see what happens. Um, that will conclude this edition of Casual Friday. My thanks to these fine gentlemen, as always, both for having me here to replace the great Sean with W for a day, uh, but also for their astute analysis, as always. Uh, before we go, fellas, XJ, Nuggets and how many? Nuggets in Cinco. Uh, I've not moved from my original prediction. Um, I think, you know, I thought the Nuggets would lose game three, not game two. They went down in game two. Their motivation increased. Their focus increased. I don't think Miami's winning another game. Yep. I don't see anything to change my opinion from that. Nuggets in five. Mensa. Nuggets 
in five. Um, yeah, I'm right there with XJ. Uh, the only way that Denver, I'm sorry, the only way that Denver loses another game is if they rely on Michael Porter Jr. Um, again, the way they relied on him in game two. He played 21 minutes last night in game three. They are done with the Michael Porter Jr. They're not going to allow Michael Porter Jr. to cost them another win. And Denver is just a lot better. <laughs> I'm sorry. When you have Jokic and when you have playoff Jamal Murray, um, Aaron Gordon, excellent defender. Uh, I don't think they lose another game. It's a miracle that Miami has made it this far. Their fans may not see it that way, but their fans can kick rocks on South Beach. Um, Nuggets and five, baby. Christian Braun, who that is? Who Man, that is, Laboratory who Show? Is. Who is it? <laughs> they Taylor? Know <laughs> they know now. Shout out Taylor, fighting the good fight. Yes, sir. Exposing those frauds down in Miami. Um, so I think the Nuggets are going to win the series. I think the Heat are going to win on Friday. And then the Nuggets win it in six. And then we'll, well see how a downer. Quick- Thanks, Andrew. I'm just, I have, I, I think the Heat have one more card to play. And I don't know what the card is, but every single time I'm like, all right, now they can go fuck off. They pull a win out of their ass and I, I they're still in my life. So I think we're going to get one more win from the Heat and then three days of can the Heat do it? They're two wins away. And then games five and six are, uh, are controlled by the Nuggets to, to like, because I will say, like, the Nuggets having overwhelmed the Heat with their offense through the first three games. The Heat have held them under 110 points. It's just one game they shot really well, game two, and games one and three, they didn't shoot really well, which is why they scored less than 100. I think they got one more good shooting game in them. And then games five and six, you'll see the Nuggets kind of turn it on and Jokic will win his first title. Um, Okay. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you dig the show, iTunes, leave a five-star rating and a review. If you're watching on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, and set notifications so you are alerted every time a new video is posted. Brand new episode of Draft Class drops on Saturday with the great Chris Percyinen, so tune in for that. And then John and Jeremy back on Monday with a brand new cap or no cap. Until next time, though. Thank you for listening. Stay safe out there. Nuggets in six or five. Just not the Miami Heat. That, that, that's all I will say. Not the Miami Heat. And I'll speak with you soon. Peace out. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. 
MyPatriotSupply.com.